You're about to listen to another episode of the Braun Body Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Braun. I founded Braun Body Training Holistics in 2019, and we started the Braun Body Podcast in March of 2020. Since then, we've released over 100 podcast episodes about various topics relating to training, nutrition, lifestyle, mental health, and so much more. We've been fortunate enough to have amazing guests on the show who range from doctors in physical therapy, chiropractics, nutrition experts, strength and conditioning specialists, and so much more. This podcast is your new one-stop shop for motivational content, health and fitness content, training advice, insight, and wisdom that you can get nowhere else. Welcome to the Brawn Body Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the show. In this episode of the Brawn Body Podcast, I'm joined by Susan Cash Dollar to discuss her unique approach to exercise and fitness. Susan has had a very unique life journey going from a history of playing pretty much every sport you can think of, football, wrestling, you name it, she's probably played it. She's worked as a strength coach for athletes, for older adults, and pretty much everything in between. She has a master's degree. She's very well-versed in the world of exercise, and I personally love everything that she puts out. She puts out a lot of unique exercises and variations that I've never really thought of before. I've never really seen them before, but she kind of comes up with them. She's really creative, really good at what she does. So I'm super excited to bring you this episode with her. This episode and all of our episodes are brought to you by CTM Band. So that's the Compression Tension Movement Band founded by Dr. Kyle Bowling. We had him as a guest on the podcast a few months back, and we'll probably have him again here in the near future. If you want to get your hands on this amazing recovery product, go to ctm.band and use the coupon code BRAWN10 to snag 10% off your purchase. Before we get to the show, here's one more word from one of our sponsors. Susan, welcome to the show. Excited to have you today. Thank you for having me. So... When I first came across uh, your page there, I really, your last name really stuck out to me, Cash Dollar, Cash Dollar Fitness. And uh, I'm pretty sure initially I made some pretty lame comment about how your workouts were like cash money, um, just me being me. Uh, so with that, you've had this really unique approach to exercise and fitness, and I've really enjoyed watching and learning from you. So what exactly is your approach to your own workouts and training as it comes to health and fitness? Ooh, my approach now is don't get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel the age for sure. Um, and it's more a longevity game now more than ever. Training for longevity and just having fun. And I've been doing it for so long. I started training when I was 14 mm -hmm. that I've gone down just about every route possible in fitness from like the early stages of just using the machines and figuring stuff out, uh, wearing down the elliptical, running on the treadmill to getting into CrossFit, um, to hurting myself doing CrossFit, to then getting into yoga and meditation into bodybuilding and weightlifting. I've gone down every single route and have tried it all out. 
And I think now, and this has been for the past, I would say a few years, I'm in a really good place with, with fitness and it's, it's more about longevity, having fun. I have a lot of skills in my arsenal that I can utilize. So if I don't feel like doing something, I just don't do it. I have so many other go-tos um, that I could do that day. Um, yeah, so for me, it's just all about staying safe and having fun and just main, maintaining, learning new skills. Yeah, definitely. Was fitness always something that was fun for you or was there ever a time when you didn't really enjoy it? So like CrossFit, bodybuilding, was that enjoyable to you or did that kind of kind of shy you away from it, so to speak? Um, I've never been shied away from it. I started when I was 14 and I never stopped. <laughs> I've never taken, you know, a week off. Um, it's, it's definitely been, there have been some ups and downs with it. It's been a, you know, a, a relationship marriage, <laughs> um, and it's been tested for sure. But, um, I, I've, I think that, you know, that that's what makes you a good coach. You know, I, I've done a lot of things wrong and I started off doing things wrong and to have to make a U-turn you know, that's a lot of learning to go down the wrong path and then all of a sudden have to turn around and come back. Um, that's something that you can help your clients avoid because you've done it yourself. Um, so it's been good and bad. Um, I've definitely um, destroyed myself where I'd walk into the gym and I didn't feel like doing it. I didn't want to be there and I still killed myself, you know, and I, I went through that stage. Um, and yeah, that was a lot of, uh, those early days, CrossFit, high intensity, go, go, go. Um, but much better place now. For sure. I'm first glad to hear that you're in a better place now. But too, um, <laughs> I, I, find it... I have no idea. I, I could be lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> I find it interesting because it's almost like this is the cycle of fitness people go through. They kind of start with this kind of dabble, experiment with everything and find what works for them, find what they enjoy. And somewhere along the way, they might get hurt or they might kind of fall off the tracks a little bit because they don't like what they're doing. But eventually they find that kind of unique blend of um, exercises or fitness approaches, I'll say, that works for them. Uh, so like for myself personally, I don't do a whole lot of Olympic weightlifting. Like I've never done a barbell snatch in my life, but I do a lot of front squats, which are kind of a precursor to Olympic lifting. I don't do bodybuilding, but I do a, uh, every now and then some bodybuilder style workouts, high volume, high intensity, that sort of thing. Uh, mm -hmm. so it's all about taking what, you know, unique things you like, you enjoy and meshing that together with what works for you. Um, with that, how is, how has your, um, approach kind of evolved over time? You said that injuries played into that, obviously, but what other factors made you kind of wake up and say, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to try this, or I want to do that. How did that kind of cycle progress for you? Mm, I think sports were a big part, you know, in okay. the beginning, I grew up playing sports. My dad kind of pushed me into everything. <laughs> um, which is good. I'm very thankful for that. And, uh, I, I actually got injured 
wrestling. I had two tryouts with the WWE and uh, it was right after my second tryout, I was doing a headlock takeover and the mat was just soaked. It was just soaked with people's sweat. It was really hot in the gym, it was midsummer. The mat was soaked and I was working with this probably 300 pound dude <laughs> about to do a headlock takeover and he's supposed to flip himself you know he's working you're working together and when I went to take him down he resisted and my knee kind of went down it I just heard it and felt it just pop uh so that was it right there that was the end of wrestling for me um which was really good it was it was uh, I would say quote unquote a blessing in disguise um <laughs> It's, um, and it made me realize I had played sports my entire life. Mm -hmm. And at that point, and this was in my early thirties, I was like, I don't have to do this. <laughs> I realized I don't have to play a sport. I don't have to compete. Um, so I really, at that point, I was down for the count for, I, I was still working out. I was working around it, but I was down for the count for a good month or two with this knee injury and uh, I just shifted my focus to my career and um, it was the best thing I would say that I've done in a while. For sure. So outside of wrestling, what other sports did you uh, engage in? Uh, growing up, it was softball. My dad got me pitching when I was really little. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I was a pitcher all through high school. And um, I played basketball and, and ran track, played volleyball. Um, I got into football. I played for the Lingerie Football League for a year, and that's what took me to Cleveland. <laughs> and then that's what got me a tryout with the WWE. Wow. So they're all kind of connected there. Did you play any of those at uh, West Virginia? No, I didn't play any sports in college. Gotcha. That's yeah. a very interesting mesh of sports. I can't say I've met too many uh, female football players before or female wrestlers for that matter. Uh, so that's kind of a unique combination. And I like how you said that really blends so many different elements of what we consider with health and fitness. You not only have to be able to be active and strong, but you also have to have good carryover to an athletic field. You don't have to, you don't, it's not only uh, sleeping well, but it's having a good sleep schedule while, you know, being up late and balancing, you know, the road game life that I'm sure we all remember all too well from high school sports when, mm -hmm. you know, you get home at 9.30, 10 o'clock at night and all of a sudden you got, you know, an essay due the next day or a long um, homework assignment or something like that. Like, it's really a game of balancing everything. And I think the fact that you did so many of these different things from a young age, like you said, really set you up with a strong foundation for everything that you're doing now. I mean, I just stop and think, we talked before this even, you've got a master's degree and you do a lot of training, but you're also a marketing director and you're a videographer and you're living in you know, one of the most active cities in the uh, whole country, in the whole world for that matter. Uh, so it's just amazing how you, know, you really seem to never stop and it seems like that's just been your life from early on. Yeah, and and not so much the like like I really, I really shifted the focus to my career 
in the past, since I moved to New York, I'm from West Virginia. I'm from a small town and I didn't grow up with a lot of money. And um, I worked really hard to, to get to where I am today. And um, to, to go from West Virginia, my first move after college was to Pittsburgh. That was the big city. Um, I had 50 bucks in my bank account and I was like, I'm just gonna make this work. And uh, from Pittsburgh, I moved to Cleveland and which was like a lateral move, you know? Mm -hmm. And then just growing up in kind of the Midwest from West Virginia, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. And then I just assumed it would be so hard to live in New York City. I, you know, just from what people say and, you know, what you hear. Um, so that made me work even harder mm-hmm. when I got here. And honestly, it's, it's, it's not it's not that bad. You know, it's, it's definitely more expensive. Uh, it's the most expensive place in the U S to live, you know, next to San Francisco, but, um, you know, it's, you get paid more too for the work that you do here. And there are a ton of opportunities out there. And, uh, I guess it's, it was a good thing just psyching myself out and thinking that I had to work extra hard to get here because when I came I just I just hit it hard and put my head down and work for sure speaking of hitting things hard and putting your head down and working uh, I've noticed you do a ton of really unique exercises and there's stuff that you do that I've actually never really thought of before never really seen before um so just the other day you had kind of that partner hamstring curl battle on the Swiss ball. I think today you had something about, um, when we're recording this today, uh, something about a band resisted mountain climber thing, uh, unilaterally. And, you know, these are things that I've never really thought of before. So where have all these kind of unique exercise ideas come from? Are these things that you just kind of think of, you know, at like 11 o'clock at night on a Friday or something? Or? <laughs> Basically, yeah. This is like a, a walk home from work. You know, you're I'm, I'm daydreaming. I'm thinking up things. Um, this is due to the pandemic, too. I, mm-hmm. I was fortunate to be able to work from home. So my relationship with the gym changed. I was also working out at home. Um, so the resistance bands I had barely touched before the pandemic. Um, so that was that was new for me, too. And it's just a matter of starting when I was 14 and knowing fitness so well and exercises so well and knowing my biomechanics too. I, I, a lot of them probably seem crazy, a lot of these exercises, but they're science backed and they're safe and they're effective. Like that's my number one thing. I don't want to put anything out there that's just ridiculous. It has to have a purpose. It has to be safe. It's effective. Um, and it's fun. So, um, yeah, a lot of the ideas are born on long walks or just when I'm in the gym and I'm in the mood. Yeah, for sure. So is there anything, uh, you said you've kind of learned throughout your history of injuries. Is there anything that you don't do anymore? Any exercises you avoid? Deadlifting right now. Deadlift. Yeah. For uh, the lower back? No, it's my left hammy. Really? Huh? Yeah. Yep. Um, I avoid hamstrings or I avoid uh, deadlifts. 
uh, just for the hamstring reason. Um, I'm sure I could do it safely, but for some reason, I, I know myself and uh, I like to challenge myself with a lot of my lifts and, and holding back is hard for me sometimes. So um, yeah, deadlifts are the one thing that I do avoid. Interesting. But you're mm -hmm. able to do all other lower body movements like squats and hip thrusts and other things without, a, without any issue. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So that came from that knee injury then that you were talking about with the WWE. No, I don't think it, it, it came from that. Um, and honestly, I could probably deadlift, um, but just due to my history with deadlifts, I yeah. just avoid it for, for it for now. Yeah, and, that makes um, sense. Yeah. And I don't think it's necessary. You know, obviously I'm, I'm doing fine without it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, it, I'd say it's so. It's a solid lift, but if it's done improperly, it can definitely set you up for, um, for some issues. Yeah, for sure. And I like too, how you really blend strength training with kind of like Metcon conditioning almost. And it seems like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but from an outsider perspective, it seems like your gym workout counts as both your strength and your cardio. Uh, just a lot of the different things that you do, incorporating the um, self-propelled treadmill, battle ropes, all these different things into your workout. Um, you know, these are things that really get your heart rate up. And it seems like your workout's kind of killing multiple birds with one stone. Yeah, and even that's shifted too. A, a lot of times I'll have this plan in my head, like anyone, and then you walk into the gym and you just don't feel like doing it. And you're like, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm a lot easier on myself these days. So if I just don't feel like doing something, I'll do something else. It might just be changing the rep scheme mm -hmm. um, and just doing sets of five instead of sets of 20, you know, just switching stuff like that around the intensity. Um, a lot of my workouts now are for power and strength versus uh, more endurance. I, I was at one point running a lot more, doing some 5Ks, doing some longer Metcons. It's shifted a lot to um, more of a strength focus and power output. For sure. Now, how do you go about kind of blending your unique style and experience with uh, your clients? So how is your um, own approach kind of influenced how you train your clients? Um, honestly, I only have a handful of clients right now, some online, some in person. Um, and they love, they love the creative stuff. They love, <laughs> <laughs> they love being able to, they, they see my workouts, they'll see them on Instagram or wherever I post them. And then when they realize that they can do that stuff too, they get excited about it. So I, it's definitely not the base of their, their workouts and everyone obviously is treated um, individually. Um, but I definitely throw in a lot of skills for them to learn something unique each workout, um, just to keep things fun and to show them that they can do that kind of stuff too. Right. So you're never really repeating the same workout more than once. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I like that. It's uh, kind of that uh, a more practical approach to muscle confusion. You know, you'll see these videos all the time of people promoting like muscle confusion and, you know, things adapt over time. So you have to find new ways to 
um, achieve the threshold stimulus for further results. And, you know, next thing you know, you end up with this like bodybuilder doing dumbbell curls while standing on a BOSU ball on one leg or something weird like that. Um, mm -hmm. So it definitely seems like you have a more practical, earthly approach to that than, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the example I just described. So I'm definitely a huge fan of that. Um, as far as your training clients go so far, what's kind of your current training client? Are they older, younger athletes? Who do you usually work with? Um, you know, my very first client that I ever had, I was 18 years old and I shouldn't have been training. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a high school wrestler. So he was just a few years behind me. And I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, I had trained for myself for four years. And so I would get in my car and we were, we were at a racetrack. It was like a, a gym at a racetrack, a horse racetrack. And I would just have him keep up with me in the car. So he'd be running. You know? <laughs> and I, I feel bad for anybody that I trained in my early twenties, even through my late twenties, you know, even today, <laughs> but, um, my clients now, it, so I, I trained a lot of younger people throughout my twenties, but my clients now have shifted and for no, no obvious reason. Uh, but I train a lot of older people, seventies, eighties. Um, and I love it. It's great. <laughs> so what have you awesome. learned, what have you learned about, uh, fitness with working with older people or what advice might you have for someone who is now working in the fitness space with older people? Um, man, they, that they can have the best, like the next 10, 20 years can be the best 10, 20 years of their lives. Mm -hmm. If they really wanted it, you know, it could be like, if they've never trained before, they could really make these next 10, 20 years, the best years of their lives. For sure. That, um, that really echoes, uh, recently, recently I did a podcast with Dr. Uh, Justin Merzwicki and he's actually researched high intensity resistance training in uh, senior citizens and weighted vest training in senior, senior citizens. So like he's got, you know, people 70, 80 years old, you know, grandma's in the gym doing 80% one rep max on the leg press or mm -hmm. doing 10% of their body weight with a weighted vest. And, you know, it's crazy to me how we've thought for so long that, you know, it's not safe to load older adults. It's not safe for them to exercise when in reality, we should be encouraging them to exercise. We should be enabling them to exercise because these are the things that they need to do to live, you know, higher quality of life and just overall prevent all of the various things that ultimately, you know, plague older adults daily, um, mm -hmm. whether it be, you know, poor nutrition or overweight or, you know, insert your favorite pathology. Um, so I think that's really cool how you've kind of transitioned over time. And that's another thing I kind of see in common with a lot of people is they start in kind of one niche area and they end in a totally different one. Um, mm -hmm. Would you say that working with athletes has kind of helped prepare you to work with the older adults in a way? Yeah, absolutely. I think working with athletes is more challenging. You know, you got to stay on your game and stay up with the latest trend, working with older people too. Um, you know, it, it's gonna be different for everyone. Um, but just in my experience working with, I, you know, I have a, a woman who's in her late seventies and she was, um, she was doing um, 
single arm planks and shoulder taps the other day, just like a pro, just killing it. And um, she just is so attentive too. And just so, she just tells me all the time how thrilled, she says, how thrilled I am just to be able to do this stuff. And uh, she really means it too. She, she loves it. She loves showing, I train her twice a week and she comes ready to go. For sure. Now, are you mostly online with your training or are you in person? Both. It's a good mix online and in person. And again, I only have a handful. I can only train a handful of people right now. Only so many hours in a day after all, right? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so how do you kind of recommend others go about developing their own training style like you have? So like we've talked about, you have a very unique approach to training. You'd love to share that with other people and motivate other people to do something similar. So how is it that others can do the same thing that you're doing? Mm -hmm. um, well, it depends on where they are now and their level of fitness. If it's somebody who is just starting out, um, start small. You know, it might be just getting up off of the couch and going for a walk. And the key, and you hear this all the time, is really just coming back the next day and doing it again. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to suck. It shouldn't suck. It should be fun. So just start small and do a little bit here and then show up the next day, do a little bit more, show up the next day, do it again. And, um, I think that was my problem too. I made it suck, you know, when I was just starting out, like I, I made it hurt and it, and it doesn't have to suck. It should be fun. It's, it's gotta be something that you're going to want to get up and do it again. And keep in mind the big picture. You always have to keep in mind the big picture, longevity, take a step back. It's okay. Take the day off, come back tomorrow, hit it again. And then I, I think also once you start to learn new exercises too, um, when you're just starting out, you don't know what to do. You haven't done things before. Everything's brand new. Do the stuff that you know how to do and gradually build on that. And you'll keep building your arsenal. You'll keep throwing in new exercises. You'll have more go-tos. And then those days where you don't want to show up, you have all of these exercises under your belt. You can pull one of those exercises out that you feel like doing. It might just be isometrics. You might be doing a wall squat or a plank hold. It might just be a walk in the park. It might be, you know, a yoga session, but you will have more and more exercises that you can go to. So when you're not feeling something, you always have a backup plan. For sure. I, uh, I love that advice. I, I cannot echo that enough, really, the importance of finding what you enjoy and I like how you said, you know, it's a learning process. It's not like you're going to be an expert in this from day one. And it's best to start small. Um, that's actually an approach I usually use with my own clients is I start with breathing. Can you breathe properly? Um, I know a little bit from physical therapy background, but a lot of people can't even breathe like we normally breathe. They don't breathe through their diaphragm. They breathe through the neck and they're using all these muscles up in here to take a breath instead of what's down here. Um, so it's amazing how, you know, just kind of modern life and society as a whole 
has gotten us away from our ability to do basic physical functions. So start small, start with the things that you can get good at quick that are going to have a huge carryover to other aspects. You mentioned walking as a great starting spot. If you can't walk, then do you think it would be a good idea to go pound the pavement and run five miles? Probably not. So I, uh, everything you just said really strikes a chord with me. And I can't echo that enough uh, for our listeners today, because this is the foundation of fitness for life. It's, you know, you've said this yourself throughout this podcast. It's not just like, you know, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to work out for two or three years, and then, you know, I'm set, you know, day made, check the box, all good. This is something that you kind of have to integrate as part of your lifestyle. It's not something that you just do when you feel like it. It has to be something you do regularly. It has to be something that, you know, you kind of use as like an energizer. Like I call it my morning caffeine kick without the coffee is I work out and then I feel excited, energetic and awake for the rest of the day. It's something that, I, I, again, I've mentioned society, society before, but as a society, we've really not emphasized the importance of exercise um, as part of your daily life, as part of your, as part of your daily routine. And I'm hoping that, you know, by doing stuff like this, that this episode, that we can actually start to shift that paradigm a little bit and encourage everyone to find a way to incorporate fun activities that can count as exercise into their daily life because the impact that these things can have um, overall have, they're, they're non-perishable, they never end and they're intangible. You can't measure, you know, you can't even begin to fathom the impact of a properly designed exercise program on someone. Mm-hmm. A key component to my my routine is walking. I yeah. pay attention to the steps that I take. And there have been several studies recently posted by people in the fitness space about steps taken each day and lifespan. And they are, I mean, the line is just straight up or straight down, however you look at it. <laughs> but the more steps that you take, the longer you're living. So it just went up with the, so from five, 2000 to 3000 to 4,000, 5,000 steps, 10,000, 12, the line is just directly related to that. Um, so walking is, I think, extremely overlooked, just taking a long walk and keeping track of your steps. And that's something that pretty much anyone can do for the most part, right? You don't need a, you know, fancy gym membership. You don't need good weather even. You can find a way to walk. I mean, I think back to like the start of the pandemic when people were literally running marathons in their backyards. Like, you know, it's crazy how we think that fitness is something so difficult to get into when in reality, you can literally start anywhere with anything. Um, I know a lot of your movements, in addition to being accompanied by bands and, you know, stability ball or uh, foam roller or something like that, there are a lot of body weight based movements, things that you can do without a barbell, without a dumbbell, without any kind of, you know, gym membership or expensive equipment. You can really do them anywhere at any time, inside, outside, wherever. Um, so I think that's another key piece to this puzzle. It's just overall the myth that you know fitness is hard to access when in reality 
you know, you can access fitness anywhere at any time with pretty much no cost. Mm -hmm. And I also think that um, just our, just like, you know, the eight hour work day, how we're mm -hmm. starting to look at that now and like going into work and working the eight hours and punching in and punching out. I think our way of looking at a workout needs to change too. And most days my workouts are very segmental. So I'll do a little bit in the morning, you know, and, and it's nice too. I'm, my work is in the gym, um, but I'll do a little bit here. Two hours later, I'll get back up. I'll do a little bit more, go back to work. Three hours later, I'll do a little something. A couple hours later, I'll do a little bit more. Then I'll walk home. And then at the end of the day, if you piece that all together, you know, I've done a good chunk of exercise or a good hour or two of working out. And the other nice thing about that is doing it bit by bit, little bits here and there. I mean, people, I think, still think that they need to drive to the gym, change, spend an hour there, shower, drive. It, it's like a whole process. And I mm -hmm. think we need to shift our way of thinking about what a workout is. And you can break it up. You can easily, you know, at work, sit against the wall and do a wall squat for a minute or like go down and do some push-ups, or take a walk. Um, and then a couple hours later, do a little bit more. Um, so my way of training is definitely different than a lot of people that I know in that I don't, I don't spend like an hour or two at a time training and then pack it up and I'm done for the day. It's just, it's very segmental. It's a little bit here, a little bit there. Sometimes it is, sometimes I'll spend a lot more time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think just our way of thinking about working out and what that is, what that all entails needs to, to change too. I couldn't agree more. It's more about, you know, total volume per week instead of total volume per day. You know, people think, you know, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to work legs today and I got to get 20 sets of legs and, you know, today. And that's the only time they work legs all week. It's like, why not just try and get 20 sets? in across the span of the week instead of, um, you know, doing it all in one day. And there's actually a lot of research that backs that up higher frequency training. So like two to three times a week, instead of once per week per muscle group actually elicits better results because you're keeping that muscle building stimulus going repeatedly instead of hitting, instead of uh, triggering that response once per week. That's something that uh, we talked about extensively with uh, Sal Stefano because that's a key principle they use in the mind pump programs is more frequency of training instead of the traditional bodybuilder bro split. And mm -hmm. I like how you said incorporating it throughout your day. Some of us, like you and I, are lucky. We get to work in a gym. And, you know, if I'm in a gym in between clients or even, you know, if they're getting a water break or something like that, I'm jumping on the pull-up bar and jumping out. Uh, uh, repping out five, 10 pull-ups real quick. And yeah. those are the kinds of things that, you know, over time really accumulate and that movement pattern gets ingrained and you do it so much easier. So when you go to the gym and maybe you have, you know, an hour to work out that day, maybe you only have 20 minutes and you're doing your formal workout, that movement is so much easier for you to do. Now you can load it heavier. You know, people, 
seem to know me as like the weighted pull-up guy because I'll throw, you know, 135 pounds of plates on and rep out four or five good, clean pull-ups. And I've gotten to that point, not by, you know, doing weighted pull-ups in the gym, but just by, you know, when I have free time, jump on a pull-up bar, bust out eight, 10 reps, go about my day, do it again, do it again, just re-ingraining that movement pattern. Uh, so I love that you brought that up because, you know, I couldn't agree more. We have this belief that exercise is, you know, all in one shot, when in reality, it's more of a lifestyle. And if we can integrate that kind of lifestyle shift into our daily lives, even if we, you know, work in a cubicle, work in an office, or we're a student who spends eight hours a day sitting through grad school classes, you know, if you can make that shift for yourself, the impact that's going to have is just incredible. Um, I used my big words like uh, intangible earlier, so I'm just going to say <laughs> incredible now. <laughs> um, I, for a couple of years, this was when I was in Cleveland, I was a wellness director um, for two companies, construction company. Um, so I worked with the employees on site and they had their offices and their cubicles. And then I would go out into the field too and work with the construction workers and lead them through some stretching but um, still to this day, I would get people, you know, my job was just to get people up and moving, you know, in the office. We had a gym on site and it was a really nice setup for the employees. Um, but I would just go around and knock on their office door and try to get them to come down to the gym or I would take a mat up to their office space and lie it down on the floor and try to get them to, to move around a bit. But it's just, it's, it's surprising to me that I still get people explaining to me for like 30 minutes that they don't have time. <laughs> They'll explain to me that they don't have time for like 30 minutes. And I'm like, we, you could have been explaining to me while like holding plank or, you know, you could tell me that you don't have time while we're working out. And their idea of a workout, I tried to get them to change their idea of like having to change and go to the gym. Let's, let's do a little mm -hmm. something here in the office. And um, for, I, I do, I do think that people are busy. People have kids and, you know, they go to work, but just be slipping in even the smallest bit here and there, like setting your timer for a minute and dropping down and doing as many push-ups or sit-ups or whatever it is for a minute and then getting back up and going back to work. It could be as short as 30 seconds, a little burst here and there. And then another couple hours later, do another 30 seconds. It could be 30 seconds. It could be three burpees, get up and do three burpees and then go back to work. And a lot of times what happens is maybe you do the three burpees and your heart rate gets up a little bit and go back to work, but maybe you feel pretty good and you do a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the thing. It could be the smallest thing and people don't realize that every little thing is going to accumulate. And a lot of times that is my workout. I have two minutes and I'll bust out like some pull-ups and push-ups and some squats and I'm done. I'm right back to work. Right. Yeah. And, you know, with that too, I feel like a lot of, at least in my experience, my clients kind of limit themselves. Like if I say, okay, do 10 reps, they do 10 and, you know, that's it. And in reality, they might have been capable of doing more than 10 reps at that weight. So 
so it's important to incorporate things like that as many reps as possible or AMRAP as it's called in a given period of time, uh, not just for the sake of like lifestyle shifts, but also as part of like your normal gym routine, because I feel like we are our own worst enemy and we hold ourselves back, right? Like we set up these kind of walls inside our head, like, you know, okay, well, I've got, you know, 225 pounds on the bar. Last time I lifted it 10 times. So I probably can't do much more than 10 right now. And, you know, in reality, if we're feeling good, if we're well-rested and well-fed, maybe we could have done 15 reps that day, but we stopped ourselves at 10. So I like how you kind of your training incorporates a lot of kind of things that would absolve those mental barriers that we set up for ourselves because it's very much just this is the time I have I'm going to see what I can do and I think that's a constant state of wow I did more than I thought I could do mm -hmm. wow I can't believe I should and that positivity seeps over into other areas of your life in your case since you're working out while at work that's got to make your day pretty fulfilling because your whole day is wow I just did that. Wow. I just got to exercise. It's a constant endorphin release throughout your day. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of, you know, the best natural version of a nootropic drug we can create for work, I think. Yeah. There are a lot of times <laughs> before I, a meeting, a Zoom meeting or something, or if I'm just like feeling sluggish, I'll get up and I'll just do a hands, like a wall handstand hold, you know, and just all the blood yep. is coming to the head and I'll hold for maybe a minute and a half and then sit back down and I feel great. I'm ready to go. So did you do one of them before we got on today? Or? <laughs> Usually I was pressed for time. So I just <laughs> I got home and I got right on here. Well, we definitely appreciate you doing that, Susan. Is there anything else you want to share with our uh, listeners before we close up? Um, hmm, I should have something prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I caught you off guard. I'm sorry. No, I have nothing to share. Um, yeah, reach out to me. I, I love talking about fitness. I love, you know, it's, it's honestly what I live and breathe every single day. Um, so it doesn't get old to me. So if anyone wants to reach out or just has wants exercise ideas or um, has any questions about anything, feel free to reach out. Yeah, and they can get a hold of you on Instagram and on your website. I believe it's SusanCashDollar.com. Is that correct? Yeah, but I haven't been on that site. So oh. probably best Instagram. That's probably my only active social media. All right. Site. Yeah. We'll, we'll be sure to link that in the uh, <laughs> description below for anyone who wants to give Susan a follow. I highly recommend that you do because, like I said, I find everything she does very valuable and I've taken a lot from her. I will give her full credit every time, though, uh, because, you know, I'm not that kind of guy. Um, but my athletes will be really enjoying some of the different things that you've come up with over the next couple of days, uh, nice. especially that stability ball hamstring curl thing. We'll, uh, We'll wage a little war at the gym to see who wins. So, <laughs> Susan, always a pleasure. Thank you again for your time. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.